Welcome to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. This episode is a session from the Broadcast Sport Leaders Forum, which took place in London on the 1st of November. Little Dot Studios Director of Sport, Robbie Spargo, and Chelsea Head of Publishing, Simon Meehan, tell presenter Alison Bender their top tips for sport rights holders on social media. Welcome, guys. Um, just, Robbie, let's start with a bit of an overview of what you do at Little Dots as Head of Sport and who some of your key clients are, and I know it's growing all the time. Yeah, sure. So, um, Little Dots Sport is a team of about 60, 65 people within Little Dots Studios, which is a much sort of broader digital content social media agency. We focus on uh, creating and distributing content for social media and digital platforms. And we work with around 30 different sports federations, clubs, broadcasters, uh, creating content on their behalf. Um, The likes of the FA, so we work across England national team channels, the FA Cup, the FA WSL. We work with the England Wales Cricket Board uh, on their YouTube and Facebook channels. We work with Eurosport. We've worked with Formula E for the last seven seasons or so. Um, Always with that kind of core remit of helping them to realise the potential of their audiences uh, and often their commercial potential on social and digital platforms. Simon, I guess same question for you. You've been at Chelsea about three years. Um, I started off at Chelsea TV uh, 2006 and it's just changed so much obviously since then, you know, how much digital has changed. What is it that you've been busy with? Um, A lot. Uh, So I'm head of publishing at Chelsea, um, which means I'm responsible for everything that we publish uh, and put out across our digital channels. So website, app, uh, and social media. Social media is probably first among equals there because the size of the audience is so huge um, across all of our different platforms. Can I ask specifically which, which social media you're engaging in? Uh, well, we, so we have a presence on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I'm trying not to make a mistake, uh, TikTok. TikTok, and uh, YouTube, and we're also on Snapchat. Great. So, Did you do Twitch at all? I know that Lawrence mentioned Twitch. No, we're not on okay. Twitch. We're not on Twitch. We're not on Discord. Um, we don't have any sort of formal presence on Be Real. Um, but obviously, these are all platforms that we're thinking about as well. But I think I think mm-hmm. we've you know the 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 shift has probably been very much towards um, platforms such as Instagram in the first instance, away from Facebook and Twitter. Twitter still has its importance to mm-hmm. us. Um, uh, and towards TikTok as well, which is the kind of the growth platform. Um, so, so yeah, th- there's been a, there's been a very big shift. I think from the days of Chelsea TV, where where Chelsea TV was a broadcast channel, into focusing purely on um, uh, reaching digital audiences first, but then matching the shift in digital audiences to the platforms where they're living. So, the way that we approach that is that we think very much audience first you know we need to think about where the audiences are um, what their behaviors are what they are consuming what types of content they're consuming um, and how do we then reach them so in a way um, we're sort of we're sort of platform agnostic in that sense but but equally we need to be experts in these platforms because otherwise we'll never understand them we'll never understand how to reach those audiences and and from a Chelsea perspective it's just it's it's super important to us because the, the publishing team, you know, the pu- publishing, I think, is a slightly sort of old school word for it because we're actually the first touch point for Chelsea fans and non-Chelsea fans all over the world. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a really big shift from sort of 
you know, being Chelsea, assuming that people will come to us and to, well, actually, we need to start meeting them wherever yeah. they are. It's interesting that you mentioned Be Real as well, because I don't know if you've seen, but, but TikTok have started putting that in, so maybe that will be something. Um, and if uh, Elon Musk makes you pay, pay for your blue tick, are yeah. Chelsea going to do that? Um, <laughs> probably. Uh, I, I don't know. It's I mean, an interesting I'll, one, isn't it? Yeah, I have to see if we have the budget. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I, th I think, yeah, ex exactly. But that's a really good point, because I think, I think with the, the, the Elon Musk thing, um, it just speaks to the fact that all of these platforms, they're, they're constantly evolving, they're constantly yeah. shifting. So to be present on them, to be that point of contact between the club and fans globally, you need to, you, you need to stay alive to that. And it's not just platform developments, it's not just Elon Musk taking Twitter, changing something about Boutique, it's not just TikTok, which, you know, what TikTok are doing with Be Real is something that Meta and Instagram have been very good at doing to others. So stories yeah. coming from Snapchat, um, starting to mirror the uh, the way in which we consume TikTok by changing the feed and so on, and they're and they're constantly evolving. So there's that, but then you also need to be um, uh, and to the point that some of the previous speakers were making. You, you sort of need to be aware of how people are then consuming because can, I think you know fans and, and consumer behavior does drive. I mean, partly driven by platform, partly driven by what fans are doing and the various different touch points they have. Um, so, so yeah, you have to stay alive to, to all of that. I mean, Robbie, I know that's something that's hugely important to you, just, just understanding how, um, how viewers consume, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what um, I'd add to that is we come at it from a perspective of video first. So we've mm -hmm. always been a sort of video-centric company and our origins were very much in, in YouTube, which is obviously a, primarily a video platform. Um, and we've been quite lucky in the sense that video has been a key driver of growth for a lot of those platforms, and they've placed it at the center of their kind of algorithmic shifts and definitely at the center of their monetization models. But we're seeing very similar, um, very similar trends, and I, I think I would just agree that you have to be always alert to the changes that are happening on these platforms because they are happening and they're happening rapidly. A year ago on Instagram, everything pivoted in the algorithm to favor Reels, Reels which is yeah. their kind of TikTok copycat. They are now making a slight shift back towards the origins of Instagram, which is photo and beautiful imagery. And so again, we've had to be alive to that and change to that. But it means that you're quite, your publishing strategy does have to be quite adaptable and changeable yeah. and you have to be flexible. Uh, the platforms are pretty fickle and so you can't build uh, an entire uh, an entire sort of um, structure around how they are currently because they're always going to be changing. And hilariously, TikTok are now saying that they're favoring photos with Carousel. There's a brand new feature of Carousel, so it's almost going full circle. The algorithm as well is incredibly sensitive. So as you say, if you, you've built something and you feel that it's working, and you pour a lot of budget into that, that could be completely different week in, week out. Do you, you say you've got a team of about 60 people working on it. How much of that um, is, is sort of split between the different platforms, I guess? Uh, I guess we're not really set up in that way, so we'll have kind of right. video um, and, and creative unit that is uh, set up to, to produce graphics and video content and they'll be working across all different types of platforms with different skill sets as well. So we've got um, increasingly 
um, a, a good motion graphics design skill set which helps to sort of amplify content um, specifically for platforms like TikTok where actually a little bit of graphics really goes a long way um, and then we have channel managers and account managers who are there really focused on specializing in the different platforms and trying to understand them uh, intimately so that they know what to publish when and in what form to achieve maximum reach for that content. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say we kind of have a specific split between the different platforms, but what I would definitely would say is that TikTok has absolutely skyrocketed as a kind of key concern for our team in the last uh, 18 months, and that is uh, really starting to kind of rival YouTube for us yeah. as, a, as a sort of um, key platform. You're nodding furiously. No, no, I just agree. agree. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, yeah, it's it's interesting because, it, it, yeah, the, the, you have to be super agile, you know, mm -hmm. and I think if you're trying to sort of plan publishing it can be a little bit frustrating because to your point Ali you know you, you might think well actually I'm going to assign a certain team to this platform um, because they have this certain skill set and then suddenly you know Instagram changes back to yeah. photography and then you've got to rethink it again get back into the space of photography and so on They're keeping so you just, on their toe on your toes aren't they yeah all, all the time all the time um, and I think it's 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 um I, I think the Instagram thing is is actually quite good that they I, d I actually wasn't aware that they were moving so quickly back from reels because when we speak to them, it's still reels, it's still video, yeah. um, and 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 they their advice, you know, Meta's advice to you will be produce this amount of video and and, and so on and so forth, and it will um, it will be beneficial to you in the algorithm. Maybe we've just not had a as recent a chat as you guys with them, but um, but um, but I think it, it's a bit of a sh you know TikTok has become such a you know such a a monster in a way that it was dominating everything. And then that forced Meta to react, and they started shifting towards a sort of TikTok model for um, Instagram. And I just thought it was a huge shame because Instagram as a platform, um, being more imagery photography based, yeah. I actually really liked it like that. You know, and if I want to, as a as a consumer, find um, sorry um, uh, video short video content, then I can go to TikTok for that. But obviously, you understand the the business imperative behind it. And just a, a word on some of the, the live action, because obviously as Chelsea, um, you have to you have to find a way, you have to figure out what you have, what you can provide to people that other platforms don't have. Yeah. Um, have you thought about as well using the live? I don't know how the rights work for some of the younger, um, you know, audio, uh, sorry, some of the younger teams within the structure of Chelsea. Yeah, definitely. That's actually a bit of a, a point of discussion at, moment, at the moment with the Premier League, um, because I think they took a decision during the summer that we couldn't stream under 18 games and yeah. they've reversed that um, and um, I think to be completely honest our our focus and we, we sort of leave the I mean we will stream games where we can stream them but it's it, I wouldn't consider it to be a really fundamental part of our strategy I think we're we're far more focused on um, the things that actually really differentiate us, and 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 the and the and the sort of access and the rights that we have that other people don't, yeah. because we we accept that the the broadcasters and the rights holders they own, for example, in the Premier League and and now in the in the Women's Super League as well, they own those ninety minutes and they own that broadcast space and they own the the, the pre-match um, and the post-match, and so we 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 don't feel that there's there's a great advantage in trying to eat into that space or replicate it or, or 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 do similar and actually we're looking at everything else around it behind the scenes on match day um, access to the players whereas where, where we can um, bringing out their personalities and then and then when it comes to um, 
non-match day, we do have all of the access and that, that, that we need in terms of being around the training ground, being up close and personal with the players. Increasingly, we want to know more about you know, the operation at, at Cobham, which is our training ground, the, the staff, you know, the front office staff, as you might, um, might see in, in, in series like All or Nothing. So we're, mm. we're trying to pull all of these, these different pieces out of it because fundamentally, um, I think one of the previous speakers was alluding to how competitive this space is, not just with football, not just with sport, but with all of the other things that people can do, um, particularly in the digital space. Um, so we're in such a competitive landscape that we, we need to find those things that we as Chelsea have that other people don't have and then convey that in as authentic a way as possible to the, to the audience. Robbie, I'm sure you have a, a similar thing looking at what you have with all your clients that, that no one else has. But do you, do you take advantage of some of the lives as well? Yeah, and I think it's about, um, it's about kind of mapping out the, the jigsaw puzzle of what do your partners uh, represent on your behalf and where, where are their strengths. And I think um, uh, the broadcasters like BBC and Channel 4 and Sky earlier were, were saying similar things. What do they have that um, they can actually bring incremental audience to versus uh, what you have? Um, that you're going to bring your audiences to. And sometimes that does actually include live, so it may be that um, some of our partners, for example, don't uh, have broadcast deals in certain markets. Social's a fantastic place then to make sure that you have some presence there and you actually capture an audience there. Likewise, uh, I know you guys do a, a pre-match and a post-match live show, that before the game and after the game for fans watching all around the globe at home uh, is, a, is a really brilliant place for you to for you to play in in order to capture audience attention either side of the live product that's being broadcast by a broadcaster so I think content strategy really is a kind of a jigsaw where you're looking at what are the things that fans are coming to us for versus where are they going elsewhere and how do all of those bits of pieces bits fit within that puzzle and then you have to do that almost for every single key market that you're working in as well Let's, um, let's get specific and talk about tips, because I know, having done a bit of networking, I know there's a few people who are looking to put more uh, budget into social media, into areas like TikTok and Twitch. What are the things that you found are working right now? Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, in terms of, you know, very specific, to, I mean, the first thing to say, if you're looking for, you know, very specific tips by platform, definitely engage with the platforms. Um, and, and, and reach out to them. I think TikTok in particular are really keen to work with um, uh, businesses, brands, influencers. I mean, Ali, you know yourself, yeah. um, having, having spoken to them. And they, and they will help in terms of um, the kind of, I guess, the, 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 the tips and the ideas in terms of how best to, to work with the platform. But I think it's, a, it's from, a, from a sort of slightly, um, I hate to use the term, but slightly more macro level, it, it's always the same things across all of the different platforms. The, the, the first thing is to, to think of your, your audience. So it's, you know, if you have an existing audience on these platforms, try to understand as much as possible about that audience so that you are serving them the types of content that they are likely to consume. If you're trying to grow an audience, you know, understand what audiences and what segments of the audience you are trying to grow um, rather than just, I mean, at Chelsea, we were extremely guilty of this up until probably a few months ago, it was just grow, 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 grow. And then you're left with this sort of amorphous audience that you don't really know a huge amount about, but it's quite big. And so it's, um, it puts you in this sort of weird position. So I think, think about your audiences. Again, the point around what do you have that others don't, you know, and, and that's, I think that's applicable again across, across the platforms, um, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, um, you know, Twitter, 
Facebook less we're less concerned by but um, but yeah what, what are the things that you have in this competitive landscape that others don't and then think about how you convey that authentically to your audience because authenticity is, is, is super important TikTok is a is a huge growing platform that pulls you into its into its world and, and it can be difficult because it's so dependent on format short format trending you know the way that people consume it that it can actually pull you away from your own brand you know and I think we at Chelsea you know we're a football club um, and there is a certain perception of us and there's a perception we'd like people to have of us yeah um, and it's it's okay for you know a let's say a Red Bull club like Leipzig or Salzburg because of the Red Bull brand to be you know adventurous cheeky um, uh, you know banter use yeah. banter and so on whereas Chelsea we, we're not really comfortable in that space so right. on a platform like TikTok you still you still need to remain authentic to your brand otherwise you're just doing stuff that that everyone else is doing and it's not it, it will help you in the short term probably but in the longer term it doesn't help you really get you know and uh, you know engage with your audience I don't just mean that they like your stuff but you you have proper engagement with them that then when it goes beyond just the social media aspect and you start looking at um, the commercial side and, the, and, and, and how you, again, hate to use this term within the context of football, but how you then monetize, whether that's with partners or directly through the consumers, then um, you, you need to have that authentic connection. You can't have built the relationship that isn't authentic to you. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I suppose you probably have directed from the top as well that maybe you can or can't speak about. Robbie, I suppose you have a similar thing um, when looking at trends, but remaining true to your authenticity, I guess when you're working with the FA, for example, a similar kind of thing with the England players, right? Yeah, um, it definitely has to, it, the, the brand has to come first and you have mm -hmm. to understand who you are as a, uh, what, what, who you are as a brand and what you want to represent. I think that comes first. What comes next is um, the platforms and what their sort of biases are. Because if you know the biases and you know the grammar of those platforms, you're going to have much more success in conveying your brand in the right way. And then overlaid over all of that is the audiences that you want to target. And again, that's going to change by platform. And I think if you're uh, looking at uh, everything through those lenses, then you can have huge success in different platforms and in actually targeting more niche audiences. You know, you might be targeting... Uh, younger audiences uh, on TikTok, where there's huge growth there. You might be targeting more international audiences on uh, on Facebook, where there's a huge, huge audience there, and and where it's kind of the the homepage of the internet for a, a lot of um, users in in many countries, particularly in in East Asia. Um, or or you may be having much more success in a kind of uh, more traditional TV programming sense on a platform like YouTube. So. I think if you put your brand first and then uh, look at the audiences you want to target and then look at the biases of the platform and you kind of use that trifecta together, then you can have a huge amount of success. And can you expand a bit more on, on some of the tips using trends, using music, using music artists as well? Yeah, I guess what, what we're seeing, so or what I find myself saying a lot is um, uh, on, on Instagram, just don't underestimate photos like reels definitely still hugely important but photos seem to be making a comeback and um, and the engagement that we see on photos and photo carousels in particular is phenomenal so don't underestimate 
photos on uh, Instagram. On Twitter, it's sort of, for us, it seems to be a bit of a volume game. So just the more you post, the more success you have, which is um, challenging when it comes to the tight resources that we all have to play with. Um, YouTube is really kind of pivoting towards short form vertical video. Um, uh, I think everyone knows about YouTube Shorts. They've now redesigned their homepage so that, um, or the channel pages, so that it's there's three kind of main sections. There's live, there's um, normal video, if you like, and then shorts. And I think that's a really good um, depiction of their priorities. That it's in those three areas. Uh, and most people currently, because of how YouTube has been set up in the past, are probably neglecting shorts at the moment. Um, but it's being really favoured algorithmically, so um, well worth investing in. And then for Facebook, um, it seems to be more and more that where we can have success on Facebook organically is with long-form video and posted on a regular cadence. Um, I mean, as much as kind of one long-form video per day, which again is very difficult when it comes to, to resourcing that. Um, otherwise, everything on Facebook, because of the scale that it has, uh, it just gets lost unless mm. there's some kind of um, paid media initiative behind it. Um, I think now I've covered the main platforms. Yeah. TikTok is just all about trends, we find. So, yeah. Yeah, look, at, look at the sounds that are trending and try and jump off the back of those. And, and do you use music artists specifically or do you use influencer talent as well? Uh, we'll tend to use the, uh, not sort of or originally on our platforms, yeah. we will tend to use the stuff that is trending and try mm -hmm. and sort of piggyback off the back of that um, uh, so that we're actually that's also helpful algorithmically so if you're using sounds that already exist on the platform um, you, TikTok will see that that sound is trending and you'll have more chance of kind of surfacing in its algorithm. Simon we'll just talk about sort of monetization and generation of revenue but first of all how many what, what kind of a team do you have what's the size of your team at Chelsea? Uh, on social media yeah. there's four Four. Yeah, four. That's so it. yeah, exactly. So so yeah, it's tough. Um, these these channels, you know, they're always on. Um, and uh, you know, Twitter is is a is quite a difficult one to to resource because there is that expectation that you're constantly involved, that you're constantly posting, um, and increasingly on 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 the other platforms. Face, you know, f the the Facebook um, volume of video game is 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 super hard because they they will advise you, for example, that you, you need to be posting a certain uh, volume of uh, three minute plus video yeah. per day in order to maximize um, you know, the benefits of the algorithm. But if you have a team of, of four servicing all of your channels, plus we have Chelsea TV in the background, but even so, that's a huge resource implication you know, in terms of, of editing um, existing archive footage, um, not to mention any new um, uh, content that we would Produce. So yeah, it's 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 um, yeah, it's a challenge. Um, we we work with agencies, um, and uh, we have an agency that supports us on 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 graphics, graphic design. I think we need to improve our capability there, particularly with TikTok. Um, and then we used to work with you guys on on YouTube. Um, so so we will bring in the, the the support that we need. But I think part of it is that as a football club, you don't necessarily think as a content producer, a content creator, a content distributor, a content publisher, you, you're still thinking as a football club. Yeah. And I think that's the evolution that is now happening with us and many other clubs as a business is that we're starting to see ourselves as a digital business. The product is the, is the football on the pitch. Even that sometimes is debated internally. But, um, but uh, how we then commercialize that increasingly is 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 digital and, and and using the social platforms and using content and it's just a shift that takes time 
in football because it's an industry that sometimes takes a little bit of time to shift. Yeah. I was really surprised for for a football club. It doesn't seem very much, but as you say, you use agencies as well. Yeah, it's we do. Yeah, we do. It's yeah. Challenging. Um, let's move on to, um, as I said, sort of revenue um, generation, um, sponsorship opportunities, kits, merchandising sales, and so on. How are you using um, social media for that? I, I think um, I think we can. I think being really honest and maybe speaking a little bit out of school, we we can be a lot better at that okay. because I think. When I joined Chelsea um, almost three years ago, I actually joined in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and, and when I joined, we didn't necessarily think too in, in too sophisticated a manner about how do we use social media for partners. Um, and the, the partner landscape was very much front of shirt, uh, shirt sleeve, LED boards, um, uh, all of the kind of analog I guess, ways in which uh, we could work on hospitality, for example. And then that in, in COVID, that suddenly shifted because nobody was in the stadium anymore. And, um, and, and, and partners were asking, well, how do we make use of your, of your social media presence, of your digital presence? Um, and, and then it became a sort of exercise of, oh, oh okay, they, now, now, now we need to, 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 to shift to that. And it became almost an exercise of trying to replicate what we have on the front of the shirt or replicate on an LED board and then simply badge up content or brand content. Um, and, uh, and I think the, the, the transition that we're going through and still going through is that actually, to the point about audiences, we have this huge audience, which, which um, partners, sponsors, potential partners, potential sponsors are very interested in reaching. And actually, I very much include our women's audience, women's teams audience, we have separate channels for the women's teams, which if we were to compare them to um, men's Premier League teams, they would be seventh in the table in terms of okay. you know, be above clubs like yeah. Everton, for example. So, so we have a huge amount of interest in that audience, but where we need to get to is rather than just simply stick the three logo on a bit of content or on a graphic or uh, Trivago somewhere, is we need to become the experts in that audience. We need to be the experts in the, in the, in the platforms as well. And we need to be able to advise those sponsors and partners on the best way to reach uh, that audience uh, that we know everything about um, to benefit their business. And I actually think that changes your partner landscape a little bit because you'll, you'll start speaking to people who, um, who are sort of aligned with that, want to reach that audience for a specific purpose rather than just kind of an extension of um, brand awareness. That's all really difficult to do with four people. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> I think, I think um, it, it's kind of, it's not just you, nowhere near enough has kind of happened in the space of um, selling social media to commercial partners or bringing commercial partners into that fold. And it can be a lot more sophisticated than it is currently. Quite often it is a branded content series like with an existing commercial partner bundled into a broader sponsorship deal. Uh, and that's kind of, it's not good enough. It's not providing return for the sponsor. Uh, it's not providing the commercial return that it should. Uh, and no one actually really knows generally the value of, uh, of what's been delivered. So I think there's a huge amount of work to do in trying to really, first of all, like work out the value of it, but then trying to figure out what goes around that branded content deal that actually helps the, the partner uh, to achieve their business objectives much better than they would just by distributing a, a branded content series. So how can that content be amplified to the right audience um, in the right way at the right time? How can there be subsequent kind of retargeting campaigns off the back of that that can 
help drive audiences down the funnel for that partner and how does the rights holder actually make the take the benefit of that retargeting campaign um, how do you uh, how do you ensure that uh, viewers who are seeing it are then going on to actually take some kind of action how do you measure and value that um, and I think that's kind of where we're sort of taking some steps at the moment to try and make sure that social media isn't just a kind of piece of added value mm. on, a, on, a, on a marketing campaign it's, or in a sponsorship package rather, it's actually kind of front and centre and it has its own valuation and people know the value of it. There's a few questions specifically for Chelsea, um, but Robbie just chip in anything sure. you know extra because I'm sure that they actually apply to you as well. Um, so will Chelsea be creating and publishing NFTs? It's a hot topic at uh, the moment. Um, not, not immediately. I mean, I think we, we've, you know, we've obviously had a lot of people approach us yeah. um, to ask us to work with them to produce NFTs. I, I think for, I mean, eventually we will probably move into that space in some way. But I think in a way that, for for me anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I'm sitting at the publishing end, so I'm on the channels and my focus is on the audience. There may be other commercial imperatives and maybe more senior commercial people will tell me what to do. Um, but I think for me, it would have to be something that truly adds some sort of value to the fan. Um, and I'm just very slightly wary in this space because there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of like very heated debate around it, but I'd be very hesitant to, 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 to do something that's essentially just a bit of a money grab. And, yeah. you know, fans, I mean, fans already, Chelsea fans already pay a huge amount to go to games, to buy shirts, to, you know, buy merchandise, to travel to, you know, and, and, and I just very conscious that people's ability to kind of just spend this money, spend this money is limited, particularly now. And, and, and I would feel, I don't know, I wouldn't feel very comfortable unless whatever we were doing from an NFT perspective was something that genuinely added uh, value to the fan, whether that's through you know, not just the NFT itself, but membership, benefits behind right. it, you know, access to tickets, whatever it might be. Yeah. But I think it would have to be in that space. And, you know, I think eventually we, we will get there. Yeah. Is it a space you've explored much? Uh, uh, just to kind of take a view on it. And I think my view is that... Um, Should we do it? Basically? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, there's a couple of reasons you might do it. There's a check often, which is great, and it's very understandable that some sports organisations will want to take a cheque because, uh, you know, financing these things is, uh, is never easy. The second reason is to try and understand, like, the blockchain space better, and that's a legitimate reason as well, I think. These, blockchain is going to be a technology which is going to be built into the way that uh, digital is, is, um, is built in the future. Um, but I think, fundamentally, that's not really mass audience adoption. <laughs> And there's no long-term value in NFTs currently. And so to be doing it now just feels a little bit premature. Um, I think it's, it's really important to take a view and to understand the space. But um, it's very much premature, I think, to, to go into it two feet first. Well said. Uh, Jerry Cox from Haters has said, how do you best monetize on TikTok and Instagram? Either of you two, really? On TikTok, it's... Uh, it's basically impossible <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Uh, maybe through some commercial partner content, mm -hmm. and um, they've just uh, deprecated uh, shoppable content uh, in like in the West, like yeah. in, on Bike Dance. I think it's quite um, quite a big kind of revenue stream for them, so that may come back. On Instagram, I think it's primarily through um, shoppable. Is it? 
possible to yeah, shop you could on Instagram yeah. still, yeah. 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 yeah? yeah. So, I mean, those are kind of the main revenue streams alongside branded content. Is that the same for you? Yeah, I'd agree. I think, I think TikTok is... Um, it's it's interesting with TikTok because it's grown so massively, but you know it, it the monetization on TikTok is still really um, undefined. I think from a from a platform perspective, they are not quite sure how they monetize it. We're not quite sure how to monetize on it. We face a a, a big pressure from from our partners to to, to be on TikTok for them. Um, um, but so so there so so from a club perspective, there is potential monetization through our presence there and then partner content and so on. But then how that is consumed and how successful it is, is, is on, on, a, on a platform like TikTok is, um, is another question. Instagram is more obvious because you can, there are, there's more sort of direct opportunities to monetize there. It's also a more mature platform in the sense that we understand it better, our partners understand it better, uh, um, users of Instagram understand it better, you can sort of sell directly, um, you, you know, partner content is more mature. Um, so, so yeah, it's 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 a very different picture across the different platforms. I think TikTok's, you know, probably their main. I mean, it's, I mean, from 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 my perspective, I mean, their their main focus should probably be on how does this then monetize because they've done such a good job in terms of getting yeah. people on it, getting people using it, getting big sort of numbers behind it. Then, what's the next step for us to be, you know, continuing to, to grow on it? We've just got a couple of minutes left. So, sorry, if you wanted to pick up on something, but another question as well. Um, do you think about what content goes on, which platforms in terms of age ranges to 40 years plus engage differently? I'm someone who was born in the 70s, and two years ago I embraced TikTok and absolutely love it. Um, but it is, you know, it's primarily a young, a young person's platform, isn't it? it? Certainly the audience demographics that we see sort of suggest that it's a young younger platform and that's I think that's great for the sort of the marketing mix because you know that you're going to reach your uh, Gen Z audience better probably on TikTok than say on Facebook um, and that should definitely influence your content planning I think the type of content you put out on each of those different platforms. Okay final um, question for Chelsea would you consider making a long-form documentary um, like Manchester City have or focus on entirely on short form? Um. I th like I th Chelsea all or nothing. I think it'd be really interesting. Yeah. Um, have they been approached? They have been approached. Yeah, I think we've had we've had approaches in the past to do that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think everything is an option in terms of con. It's not you know, it's not to say that because the social media platforms are um, are generally speaking short form, whether it's short form video platforms or imagery or um, or whatever it may be that we wouldn't we don't see a place for the longer form content I think in terms of I'm just trying to be a little bit careful about what I say here right. but um, but I think you know because other clubs have done this to varying degrees of success and I just from a, taking off my Chelsea hat for a second the the best long form um, football documentary I saw was Sunderland Until I Die which yeah. is with the narrative of which is not great for the, the club because they get relegated mm. um, and then they get relegated again you know, so so, <laughs> but that's a, that's much that's much better viewing than, you know, no, no offense to any city fans or city employees, but Man City All or Nothing was felt to me very much like a very glossy. Yeah. It's like a glossy magazine, you know, marketing um, content. I, I guess we would be open to that, but as a fan, I don't know. Maybe you you want that kind of it, it, it's similar principle to social. You want the stuff that you can't see elsewhere. Um, and I don't think that I got from either City or Arsenal 
all or nothing, a, a huge amount that I didn't already know from else, other, right. other places. Yes, also, as, uh, as a publisher, you want, um, you want your fans to keep coming back to yeah. you on a repeated basis. Yeah. And so let's say you have 100 grand or 150 grand. Are you going to spend that all on one one-hour documentary that people view uh, once or over the course of the week and they maybe remember for a month? Or are you going to spend it over the course of a year producing a series of short-form uh, clips that people can come back to on a repeated basis so they stay engaged with your club. I think that's, you know, if you've got the budget, that's definitely a place for both, but sometimes it's just not quite as simple as that to have to trade off. Thanks for listening to the Broadcast Sport podcast. You can find more of our content at broadcastnow.co.uk slash broadcast-sport. Meanwhile, make sure to subscribe and we'll see you for the next one.